Hey guys, it's Robert Gardner with the Robert Gardner Wellness Podcast. Today on the program, I have Hilliard Meeks, a combat veteran and also Hollywood actor and producer. Very excited to get into discussion with him about various assets, uh, talking about potentially personal branding and some of the logistics, trials, and tribulations of dealing with taxes uh, in Hollywood, uh, dealing with acting. So thank you for tuning into the podcast. Hey, thank you. Thank you for having me. Very, very happy to have you on. Mm-hmm. So, uh, Hilliard, this is the first time you and I have had a chance to chat, or the first time we've had you on the podcast. Yeah. Um, we had a little bit of discussion before we started, some various issues. What do you want to dive into today? Um, I guess we can first... Uh, I actually put some questions. Oh, sure. Uh, my name is Hilliard Joshua Meeks. Um, you can check me out on IMDb. Uh, I do have IMDb up under Hilliard Joshua Meeks. Um, you could also look at my uh, Instagram at Hilly Badfeet. That's H I L L I E underscore Badfeet B A D F E E T. And uh, yeah, I mean definitely, definitely check out that. Or you, you can talk to me on Facebook. I do have um, a Facebook page, uh, Polar Black Productions. And uh, also, just look me up, Hillier Joshua Meeks. I'm the only one. So, <laughs> any of those avenues. So, yeah, topics you want to discuss today? Stuff that's uh, kind of grinding on you? Um, yeah, I mean, basically, just honestly, just getting people to understand you need to do more than just acting to get into Hollywood nowadays. You should. Um, you know, a lot of people come into under the set that you know, pre, um, pre thing that, Hey, if I go ahead and I get in here and I get an agent and everything, then that's it. I've got two agents. I've got one in San Diego, actually three, excuse me. I got a commercial agent in LA, one, uh, agent in San Diego and one agent in Hawaii. And I'm like, you know, that's not enough just to sustain work. You gotta kind of stretch outside of that and be a creative. And um, that's where you get a lot of people doing like YouTube and Facebook sketches and all those sorts of things. And so promoting them into the career, um, not to knock those things, but I think it's even better if you have somebody who will sit down and write a script um, full out and then give a nice short film to feature film production and, uh, you know, break in that way. And you start to build yourself up, up that way. So it, it really does give a name for yourself. Hmm? So, uh, because I'm not familiar with Hollywood, I'm not familiar with movie production uh, specifically. I'm a movie fan as far as mm-hmm. you know consuming that content, but um, a lot of times when I deal with other business people, I'm always looking at it from an angle of you know how do I solve a problem. Mm-hmm. So Hill, Hilliard, you know, we haven't had a conversation previously. Nine times out of ten, any person in business in any way, shape, or form. I just go, Hilliard, what can I help you with? It sounds like you're doing some of that same stuff in Hollywood. You're just saying, okay, yeah, they need an actor, but they need a script. They need somebody who can produce. You know, Being able to wear many hats means you can probably solve problems for a larger number of people in slightly different avenues. For sure. Um, take, for instance, uh, I have a really good cinematographer friends. Uh, one of my, my buddies, Mark DeLeon. Um, needed a, a piece to kind of showcase his cinematography work. And so he had asked me to write a script. Well, you know, because he's like, hey, you know, you're a good script writer. I know you're an actor. 
can you write a script for me? Did it. And then he was like, hey, well, guess what? I need you to um, to direct it, which was at that time new for me. Um, I had done little smaller projects, but this nothing to the magnitude of what he was asking for. And I jumped in. I said, yeah, sure. I'll, I'll direct it. Ended up being one of the greatest experiences of my life. Um, and I ended up directing more projects after that. Now, uh, the original short, short that I did for him, Breathe Slow, Steady, Squeeze, is now we're doing our, our film festival run. I'm hoping to get into uh, the Olympus Film Festival with that. But it transitioned from doing that film to doing a proof of concept uh, called Cyclone Country, um, which is a um, it's going to be a TV show that we're, we're hoping to get on some of the streaming networks like Netflix, Amazon, that type of thing. So it, it grows um, the more that you kind of go outside your comfort zone w- with this business, it, you will grow into different aspects and people will ask you to do a lot more things and they'll be like, oh, he acts too. So <laughs> they'll also find different uh, parts for you to do as well. Yeah, I think it's interesting. We've had conversations internally about, say, the podcast, and then also I feel like I'm moving in more towards a consultant space for other massage therapists, people in the health and wellness industry. Mm-hmm. And people will kind of ask, like, well, how did you do that? And I'm like, well, doing a podcast was not part of my business plan. <laughs> <laughs> right. Like, I work as a massage therapist, but, you know, as we continue to expand, it was like, I don't know how to explain it, but the long arc, you couldn't really see the next step. You just kept taking them and then realizing through trial and error what you were actually good at and what you weren't good at. And over time, as I made video, for instance, you know, video was a very new thing for me in, let's see, 2000, yeah, 2010, 2012, when I started my YouTube channel. I didn't know what I was doing. The videos were horrible. The production value was atrocious. But as we continued to do it, I realized that you had to kind of play to your strengths. Oh, and yeah. it was easy for me to be on camera and not be concerned about it and then also just continue teaching people. So I really think the problem-solving aspect, I'm actually kind of relieved that the process in Hollywood isn't really any different than it is anywhere else. No, no not at all. Oh, just to give a heads up, uh, Josh Rob one. Um, this is a live uh, podcast, so how are you doing out there? <laughs> but um, yeah, for sure. I mean, I think the biggest issue is people don't understand if you're if you're stagnant and not moving, you're you're gonna die in whatever you're doing. You know, basically, it's kind of like physics. You know, objects in motion tend to stay in motion, and so for what we do, you just kind of have to become a multi hyphenate and choose a different aspect of the industry to try, uh, like directing, like producing, like act or not acting, but like, um, maybe cinematography and people will, will be able to help, um, guide you along more into the industry because of it, because you're offering services they don't have. So it just makes it even better. Yeah, the, the problem-solving part, once I understood that in business, first it was just as a massage therapist helping a client with back pain, mm-hmm. and then as I continued reaching out, it was like uh, talking to other entrepreneurs, small business owners, and going, Kathy, what do you need help with? And they're like, man, I, I don't understand Facebook ads. Do you know anything about it? And it's like, well, yeah. 
even if I didn't know, I usually knew someone and being able to establish those connections was helpful for business people. So it was almost like a, in The Godfather, where it's like people always came to him for favors. Yeah. <laughs> but he knew that eventually the favor would be like, the favor will be repaid. You know, it was that sort of thing where I, I realized that was really how business was done. It was, you know, it was still networking, handshakes, getting to know people and solving problems. You're absolutely correct. I mean, I, I think you get more out of whatever you're doing for, for business if you're able to stretch and, and, and look at everybody else as an opportunity just to help them. Even if, it, even if it doesn't have to do with, like, say what you do as far as health and wellness, even if it doesn't have to do specifically with health and, health and wellness, like you said, Facebook ads, not a lot of people know about Facebook ads, like how they work. So you were able to help that person um, out and it's invaluable. They're going to they're gonna come back and be like, you know what, if I need help with some, something, I know that I can count on Rob, you know? So that's going to be cool. Yeah. So what else is uh, kind of eating at you from Hollywood, stuff that you want to discuss? We talked about problem mm-hmm. solving, a little bit of networking. Um, I would have to say IP, which IP is intellectual property versus original content. Um, you know, most of these big movies nowadays are milking intellectual property, the, the stuff they already own. Like, say, uh, Ghostbusters, right? You had Ghostbusters that, you know, they had one and two, had, you know, the original cast, Dan Aykroyd, Bill Murray, you know, all that good stuff. And then, um, you know, it falls off for a while. And then they come back with, you know, oh, let's just, you know, gender switch it, which wasn't necessarily a bad idea. It just it wasn't anything anybody really asked for. You know, like it didn't it didn't really make it grow. Um, it actually kind of made it step back to where now Ghostbusters 3 is pulling in some of the original cast that made that had that chemistry. Um, but even still, now you got the next Ghostbusters that is coming out. Excuse me, I think it's Ghostbusters 4, I guess. Um, now you have the next uh, Ghostbusters, then they're still milking that same IP rather than having an original con- content where I think if they would have had something that was Ghostbusters like um maybe not exactly the same narrative but taking that and marrying it to um say an all-female cast i think they would have killed it because there would have been something that no one had seen before it would have been relative but it wouldn't have been the same intellectual property over and over again so <laughs> you know. yeah when, when it comes to ip i have lots of conversations with people um I filed uh, two different trademarks. One was declined. One was approved. So I've, I've dealt with IP related to copyright and trademark primarily, not really so much with patent. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that I, I think as an entrepreneur, this is part of my makeup, is I like taking risks. Now, sure. I don't want to lose my home or apartment, but beyond that, I'm always looking for the new idea, taking the chance on something that's creative to be able to create something new in the marketplace. I think that the old style of Hollywood production is probably related to that sort of bloat. Um, they have the money, they have the cameras, they have the equipment. I'm looking for the guy with the iPhone and an idea. <laughs> right. Yeah. Right. And you're, you're absolutely right on that. I, I was talking with another actor friend of mine. He's a, also a writer. And producers named Saint Thompson. You guys can look him up. Uh, Saint, me and him were talking about that. He's like the biggest issue 
that we're having nowadays is Hollywood will only take a gamble on um, Hollywood will only take a gamble on IP that they already own. So you take, for instance, uh, Taika Waititi. He directed Thor. Well, they gave him Thor, you know, because of the fact. You know, like, granted, he's got other big items that are coming out later, but they only had him start with Thor because it was IP they already had money generating off of, you know. And so it, it, he had to go ahead and take that route to to build himself up, which I applaud Taika Waititi. He did a take of Thor that nobody ever seen before. But um, the problem is, is it'd be nice for them to just invest in the Taika straight off, off the back with what he does, like uh, what we do in the, in the, what we do in the shadows or what we do in the dark, whatever that, that uh, vampire movie was, if they would have blown that up even more or, or whatnot, or if they would have invested in Jojo Rabbit, like right off the back, like he's that brilliant. It's like, okay, his original content would have been great. Let him build that and then bring him into IP he already got. I think that would have been like a, a little bit better, but that's just kind of how the, the industry works. <clears throat> if they have, if they already have something that's generating great deal of money, like take for instance, star Wars, right? They, they've made so many star Wars that <clears throat> if, even if one tanks, they know the next film will, will still generate enough to make up the difference. You know what I mean? It's like, it can still, it could be, you know, a bad showing and I'm not going to, comment on on its on its writing or anything like that because that's its own thing but but um just from a business aspect even if one show or two um shows two movies tank it still will you know it, it still will, will generate uh revenue off the next star wars or the next product like mandalorian is killing it right now you know yeah. so that's just pretty much how it works let's take a quick break Hey guys, it's Robert Gardner with the Robert Gardner Wellness Podcast. I want you to know about our free trial subscription service. If you're interested in studying mat-based manual therapy, I have the offer for you. It is completely free to get access to 450 hours of my classroom instruction and access to a private Facebook group. Think of it as an online apprenticeship. It is completely free for your first month, $7 a month thereafter. You can unsubscribe at any time. Also, if you're looking for workbooks or DVDs, you can pick all of that up in the store at robertgardnerwellness.com. And I'm back with Hilliard Meeks. Hilliard, can you introduce yourself quickly again and also tell them where they can find you online so they can follow you sure. on social media? Sure. Uh, my name is Hilliard Joshua Meeks. You can find me under Hilliard Joshua Meeks on IMDb. Um, you can also find me on Facebook under Hilliard Joshua Meeks or uh, my, my production company called Polar Black, um, Polar Black Productions. Or you can also check me out on Instagram at Hilly underscore bad feet hilly spelled h-i-l-l-i-e underscore b-a-d-f-e-e-t um i am a actor writer and director i currently have done uh pieces for netflix to uh just my own personal pieces um and currently a person who works on proof of concepts that we can sell to not only local stations but also mainstream hollywood nice 
Yeah, Hilliard, I, I really wonder, um, the music industry took a big hit because of Napster and then streaming distribution because they weren't ahead of the curve. Mm -hmm. They allowed you know usurpers to kind of come in from the outside. I wonder if to a degree that's happening in the movie industry as well. It's just the challenge is an independent movie maker in Austin doesn't necessarily have access to the context to be able to get his film into a theater. But movie production, because of the technology, is probably shifting. Um, I don't know. Do you see? Do you see bad things coming for Hollywood when it comes to that as the technology continues to increase? I, I think actually, in this particular case, I think technology is actually helping Hollywood. So, when it comes to like an independent, like you said, an independent filmmaker from Austin, there's so many great um, film festivals that can generate a lot of great press for that filmmaker and then from there they can with amazon's uh, setup or even uh getting it into netflix or certain places then they can get their their film online to where people can actually you know pay money for it and that uh that filmmaker can generate some sort of revenue from it um to add to that uh, maybe it gets picked up even on a greater scale because of uh, the technology that's going on with film festivals. Most of the film festivals, you don't even actually have to be there to submit. You can submit. Um, you can submit what's called a DCP, a digital cinema package, and that's it. Like you don't even have to be at the physical film festival to participate. So, with that being said, I think it's. Um, I think the streaming services are are actually expanding uh what filmmakers should do and even people that aren't necessarily filmmakers but they make content like like uh youtube and facebook and all that it's just helping people get their name out there faster i think the only problem that hollywood is having a problem with is what what content to invest in like what content to to pick up and actually say hey this is a great story let's push it and we can expand on this. Like, you know, those sorts of things are, are, are becoming a problem for Hollywood. And part of it, they had a strike, um, a, a writer's strike in Hollywood that they're still dealing with um, as of current. So that's probably another reason why, like as we were speaking before about uh, Hollywood milking intellectual property, the IP, um, that's also part of the problem. So, you know, so right now it's like, okay, for Hollywood, it's like, hey, who do we take the take the risk with is is the question you know oh boy technology and distribution and the way that it's changing it's so interesting to hear it from your perspective uh in hollywood having more access to that um, marketplace i see it in other industries because that's more my focus mm -hmm. i really wonder i don't know so like for instance we talk about facebook and youtube like you know, these are legitimate platforms. Whereas I think 20 years ago, people were like, what? Like, yeah, yeah. you know, because now, you know, a kid in his room who's 10, you know, can start his own YouTube channel and start releasing YouTube content. So the barriers of entry are sort of gone. Distribution mm -hmm. is increased, which means that exposure is increased. You mean, there's no barrier of entry. Anybody can get started if they want to be a rapper, a hip hop artist, a musician, an actor, a filmmaker, 
you know, I'm really interested to see what's going to happen, say, in the next 20 years when we're talking about 5G and increased uh, processing capacity with cell phones. I think we're, we're headed towards it, – it, it all depends. I think we're headed towards an overload to a certain extent because, um, like you said, a kid could be sitting at his house and start a YouTube channel, channel and make $26 million dollars. That's ridiculous. You know, that was that was not even an idea of, like that you could do back in, you know, when we were kids. One, we didn't have the technology, but but two is just like, can you fathom that a child just made twenty six million dollars pretty much can retire like now. You know? So so I mean, the sky's the limit, but I think there to a certain degree, um, there is going to be a limit. Um, because of the fact, like I said, we're, we're headed towards overload. So, um, the goal for Hollywood, the goal for, for people in general is just going to be, uh, better weeding out good content from bad content. That's, that's the biggest issue. Like take for instance, music, um, some of the rappers that have passed away as of recent, some of the young rappers, I hadn't even heard of. Um, I believe it's very sad that they passed away, but I didn't know who these people were, you know, but that's, but they had a huge following, a huge fan base and that's where they're at. You know, that, that, that's where we're at nowadays. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think that's just the biggest, uh, the biggest issue at this point in time is being able to start to differentiate good content to invest in versus bad content to invest in. And not necessarily taking the wind out of somebody's sails if they have bad content, just helping mold them into good content, you know, that's sellable. So I think that's the biggest issue. When you talked about uh, intellectual property, what do you think about uh, people downloading films, um, you know, Pirate Bay-like services? Uh, Mm -hmm. Do you have any commentary on that as regards intellectual property? As much as... uh, this happens a lot. I mean, you can definitely pirate pretty much anything nowadays, software yeah. to to movies and music still. Um, the problem is, is the quality of what you're downloading. I, yeah. I've seen stuff that was pirated that I'm like, okay, I would have rather just waited for it to be in, <laughs> you know, like I would have rather just watched it on the DVD when it came out or wait for it to go to, to um, the theaters or whatever. And just watch it from there because I wouldn't have been robbing myself of the experience, um, the, the great sound quality, the great picture quality. You know, the screen's not halfway cut off and somebody's walking past it type of thing. So, uh, you know, I as I don't think we're going to be able to get rid of pirating things because, get, you know, the reason why people do it is they just don't have the money. And I understand, you know, like that. It's not it's not easy um, not having when you would you know, you would like to be able to participate like everyone else, but money is the factor holding you back. However, you know, do I think that, that these things will replace, um, what's going on in the industry? No, because you're just not getting the quality period. Like people are now like myself now, I'm like a quality snob where, you know, I'm looking for, like you go into the theater now, I think, um, the screens are pumping, uh, over 8k, they're like 12k. So I'm like a snob when it comes to it because I want to be able to see, you know, picture that feels like I'm standing in into 
the film. And actually, the funny thing is, is that's where technology, this is, sorry for a slight tangent, that's where technology is headed. We're going to be able to start watching movies, I believe, um, in the not-too-distant future that take place around us. So you're the viewer just sitting in the middle of the room, and the whole film's taking place around you. So... (laughs) But yeah, yeah. Intellectual property. Um, you know, I was of an age in college when I saw Napster and I saw digital distribution take hold, mm-hmm. and everybody was, you know, of course, freaking out about it. And uh, I have workbooks and DVDs I wrote related to the manual therapy I teach, time massage, and we were having some of those materials listed on Amazon. And a guy I was working with was like, "Well, the problem with your stuff is that it's digital." And I said, why is that a problem? He's like, well, people are going to go to the Pirate Bay and steal this. And I was like, and make me the Metallica of body workers? Like, <laughs> I'm not worried about, listen, somebody who's in Oklahoma who's broke enough could write me an email. And I'd go, oh, hey, man, here, listen, here's a coupon code. I'll just give you a free copy. Right. It doesn't, you know, it, in other words, I made stuff to get it to people. Not to like charge an arm and leg and create like a barrier of entry. Like I made it digital because I wanted distribution. I mean, I want to ma- maintain copyright on my stuff because I wrote it, but you know, I'm very soft in regards to how I deal with that because in the end, it's about building more fans. It's about right. connecting with people, getting them information. And in fact, my whole business was built off of the first workbook that I give away for free for an email address and built an email list. That was really how I got my. Uh, feet wet with like digital distribution and i understood what a powerful force the internet was when it came to business you know massage wasn't something you could scale but right. a digital workbook it was like where is that like where in croatia did they download that <laughs> <laughs> right <clears throat> right and i think that's i think that's the beautiful thing about uh, the internet and technology is giving people a voice and a platform and helping educate people, or like you said, from long distances, you have knowledge that somebody can use in a country, well, you know, thousands of miles away. That's awesome. You know what I mean? Like to be able to communicate and get that out there is the whole point. Um, I think, and I think we kind of take it for granted, uh, especially with social media and all these other things that here's the, the portion of of having all this technology that hinders us is certain people get uh, gain pedestals that should not have a pedestal. Like certain people's commentary on things should not be out there because it's destructive. It's not helping anyone. Um, It's just where you get like the internet trolls and things of that nature. It's like, okay, did you help whoever you're commenting on Excel and what they're doing? Or are you just, you know, taking the wind out from their sails and why would you do that? Like that just doesn't make sense. So uh, a, yeah, like I, I, I for, I'm fortunate that I've gotten to a level of success where I have haters and trolls, and I just I cannot any longer like flip into that mentality. You know, yeah. it's like a, students I work with will start producing video because I encourage them to make video content to promote themselves, and sometimes the production value is not very good. But I keep my original YouTube video up on my channel because I want people to go see how bad it was. Like this is the message. I didn't start with a podcast. I didn't, I didn't start with a good camera. I started where I was and you continue to grow. Like if anything, I always encourage them. I'm like, great video. Now make a hundred (laughs) more. Right. 
<laughs> right. And, and get better at it. I mean, that's yeah. the only way that you, you're going to get better at it. And, um, yeah. I think we, I think that's the only problem with, uh, like I said, our technology being able to have all the social media and things of that nature. Um, as you're getting started, there'll be a lot of people who try to take the wind out of your sails and you just got to be able to push through it and say, you know what? I have got a goal that I know this is where I'm at right now, but I'm going to get to the other side or I'm going to grow. And, uh, that's great that you were able to defeat the haters online. It's just, it's just a weird situation to be. in. I think, uh, for me, like you said, you know, I grew up in the time of, of Napster and all that stuff and social media wasn't really there. And then nowadays people are, you know what I mean? They're just, it's so you're inundated with commentary from people that probably shouldn't comment on anything. So, <laughs> Well, the other part I've noticed is let's say you have a 10-minute video. They might see a little clip at the beginning, make some comments, but they don't even watch the whole thing. There's there's right. no context for the audience. So if you've got a YouTube video and it's got a title, you know that title may change their frame of reference for what they're viewing, and it's not what they thought they were getting. So mm-hmm. there's a, a lot of uh, factors, and uh, I don't know. Sometimes negative comments, I just don't say anything. Sometimes I kind of goad them into commenting more because I want YouTube's algorithm to pick it up and show it to more people who will complain to show it to more people. (laughs) (laughs) There you go. (laughs) Yeah. I saw our counter go down. I don't know what's there. (laughs) Yeah, we can uh, take just a quick commercial break. Hey guys, it's Robert with the Robert Gardner Wellness Podcast. Listen, if you're enjoying our conversation, I teach just as much about business and social media marketing as I do in massage and body work. There's an entire assortment of workbooks, DVDs on my website, in addition to our free trial subscription service for your first month. It is $7 a month thereafter, but there are over 450 hours of my classroom instruction available. I go over social media marketing, brand building, website, search engine optimization, and a host of factors to be able to help you and your business thrive. You have nothing to lose. You can unsubscribe at any time, and you can find all of those materials at robertgardnerwellness.com. Hey, guys, I'm back with Hilliard Meeks. Hilliard, can you tell them where they can find you again? Uh, yes, you can find me at uh, on IMDb as Hilliard Joshua Meeks, or you can find me on Facebook as Hilliard Joshua Meeks, or my production company, that is Polar Black Productions. You can find that online or on Facebook. Um, one other place you can find me is Instagram under Hilly underscore Badfeet. Hilly spelled H-I-L-L-I-E underscore Badfeet, B-A-D-F-E-E-T. So, uh, Hilliard, when we talk about uh, YouTube, Facebook, social media, this is something that's really interesting to me. I use social media heavily uh, in my business. What is, you know, what is Hollywood's response to TikTok? What is their response to Instagram, uh, YouTube, other social media platforms? It's super inviting, to tell you the truth. This is how Hollywood is starting to differentiate uh, new stars. Like, you're... In fact, I'll tell you right now, like certain agencies and certain places won't even pick you up unless you have a huge following already. 
So this goes back to creating content. It's important. You got to be a, a multi-hyphenate. You got to create content. You got to do things that aren't just related to acting because of the fact that people people are, are gauging you on how how many people are watching. So, and, and that's crazy. It's not. It's never been a thing before. Before it was just. It was just based off of your own talent and merit and did you audition for this part and get it or get in and and so forth and so on. Nowadays, you need to build a uh, social media platform almost first or concurrent to becoming uh, an actor or director even or even a popular um, a popular producer or cinematographer. Cine- I know cinematographers, they got a huge following just because they they've developed uh, a brand on social media that people are watching, people are intrigued by, like how they get the shots and the things that they do. So it wor- really works for every aspect of the industry. I find it so interesting <clears throat> to think about someone getting a leg up because they have a TikTok profile. Yeah, I like, and the thing is, it, it's proof of concept and the things I discuss, but I just. Can't imagine sitting in Hollywood at a big, you know, executive suite or whatever with a bunch of t- guys around. In, in my head, they're they're in suits, smoking cigars, talking about my TikTok channel. You know, it's like <laughs> it's such a weird like construct when I see you know fifteen year old girls doing little dances on TikTok to various songs. Like social media is so at this stage, it's fun. Um, right. I really encourage people uh, massage therapists specifically because I work with them. They're like, why? You know, I don't know what to produce. And I go, listen, go have fun, play. Don't don't just make. This is your levator scapula, and this is where it's an origin and insertion is, and you know, dry content. Make fun content that you think is interesting, and just test the audience. You know, yeah. the audience will tell you what they like based on their views. There's so many things that go on in the in the daily in the lives of any industry like like you're like you're doing here with uh health and wellness um just cool stories maybe like that i think uplifting stories um is a great way for people to uh to get content out there and to make themselves known is because everybody likes an uplifting story even if it's not your own uplifting story but it's within the same industry i think that's even great that you're giving um that you're giving uh notice to these good stories because there's a ton of bad news out there nowadays yeah might as well have some good news you know yeah. so um, production component i uh, that that concept uh i'll see people literally they will complain about what's on social media mm-hmm. it's like it's just trash and i go social media is you yeah you are the news. Go make better. <laughs> go make better news. <laughs> oh yeah, and and that's where and that's exactly the point. You know, it's like if you don't like the way social media is working, you know, people often complain but never really get up off the couch to fix it. Yeah, and so um, that's kind of part of my whole deal too. Um, I have a, an app company that we're working on stuff, trying to create. Uh, a piece of social media that will help folks um, get out and experience more and whatnot. I can't go into detail too much about it, but um, just to throw that out there, that's, that's it. You know, you see an issue um, like we often do try to fix it, try to do something positive rather than, than tear it down. Or 
like my wife likes to tell me, speak speak life into things. You know what I mean? Like rather than rather than uh, just talk down about it, do something that promotes life into it rather than destructiveness. So. I love, um, I've noticed this over time as I moved more towards like a consultant space, uh, somebody could come to me and say, Hey, I've got this idea. I've got a $10,000 ad budget. I'm like, boring. Mm -hmm. And they come to me and they say, Hey, I'm broke. I live in my mom's basement, but I got an idea. And I'm like, Ooh, now it's exciting. Yeah. (laughs) And I think there's something about that youthful exuberance and enthusiasm that I'm hopelessly drawn to. You know, I would do work for you, Hilliard, just because you have a dream. And you say, Robert, I need some advice. And I go, cool. Do you need me to fly out to L.A. for a week? What's going on? Like, I love um, maybe the underdog. um, And I love, like, innovative ideas with, like, a a perception of, like, limited resources. Yeah. And that's that's the good thing is going back to technology, even with the limited resources that are out there that you may have as far as your own personal financial limited resources with the, the social media, with things like YouTube and content, you know, streaming uh, sites, you can grow and become amazing with nothing. Absolutely nothing. You, you, you could have two cents in your bank account one week and with the right content, you can be, you know, miles ahead financially and which is good you know but it's because you know where you can you can tell who's good at it is the people that absolutely love their idea and love what they do you know they they don't they may not have a dime to start off with but they have an idea that they love and they have so much energy into it that that energy is infectious and people will catch on and uh, and move forward. So I, I teach a very specific form of massage and body work to my students, and my students will start asking about business and like, well, what do I do? And I go, hold on, what do you want to do? Because if you don't want to do what I teach, one, go study with someone else. Like, you know, you have to do what you're obsessed with. And I think part of the reason I approach it that way is I know that they're going to put in extra hours when they love it. Oh yeah, I know that musician is going to go towards the twentieth take because they have to tweak those notes and d- deliver the bass line in a certain way, just because it's got to be perfect because they love it, not because it's just a job. Exactly, and and that's how I feel about uh, creating content and things that I do is is one of those things that I will spend the extra hours. the The days that I get no sleep, that's okay, you know, because I know. It, eventually it'll catch on to where I won't even think about the days that I didn't sleep. I'm just enjoying that, that period of time that everything is finally taken off, you know? So, and I think that's where it comes down to with a lot of people. They, they live with a lot of fear that um, their idea isn't good enough or what they're doing at, at current isn't good enough. So they almost shoot themselves down, um, when they should be promoting themselves up to keep moving forward. And that'll give them the energy, you know, to do well beyond the work hours of what they enjoy. It's artistry. That's exactly what it is, you know. Um, mastering mastering everything from, from body work to making a film, it's artistry. And you got to really take, you got to really take pride in that. So... All of the greatest creators, artists, and poets of all time were just people like us. 
Exactly. Just as, just as flawed and just as likely to sleep till noon. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah, it's so funny how um, how ideas become infectious. Uh, like I'll come up with an idea and I'll write it down and I'll sit down with my group and we'll talk about it and they're seeing more to my idea than I originally saw. And um, then it becomes one of those things, well, we have to do this right now. So I think that's yeah. another thing I think that could help out. I don't know how it works in your industry, but having a collective of people that are working towards the same goal, um, hear your ideas and help yeah. you invest in your ideas. Um, even without investing necessarily money, time is just as somebody investing yeah. time into your ideas is just as valuable. And That's a, a huge issue in my industry specifically. I think massage therapists, massage therapists who make their income from seeing clients, they, they'll sort of complain about big box chains, uh, large corporate entities that hire massage therapists, but they're not forming strategic alliances to build. Mm -hmm. And again, it's not in regards to money. It's in re regards to I mean, literally, you take five massage therapists in a city. One's got a camera. One knows how to use the camera. One's got some editing software. The other one has a, a fairly active YouTube channel. Like, why are they not working together to, like, cross-promote? Exactly. A lot of times, they get into a sense of, like, well, it's competition. Like, I don't want to compete, you know, for clients. And I go, guys, uh, I'd like... There's a 1.6 million people in the greater Austin area. I can't work <laughs> on all of them. Like it's a like you only need like a hundred regular clients. That's it. That's Once it. you've got those, like you're you're done. Like you just keep you know just keep building. So I think that sort of collaboration is something I deal with regularly. I have lots of phone calls that sound like this podcast with uh, colleagues in various cities and states where I'm bouncing ideas off of them because I get completely harebrained ideas. Like what people don't understand is they're like, oh, you know, Robert's a success. He's done all this. And it's like, I'm just standing on a mountain of errors. Like I've just continued to, you know, test and retest and go where the low hanging fruit was instead of fighting to build a ladder to get to the top immediately. Right. And I mean, that's the same thing with with me. Not every idea I've came up with was a winner. It was like, you know, I thought it was cool. And it, honestly, it just didn't develop the right way. But but at the same time, coming up with a new idea or coming up with the next thing and having other people work with me on it. That's the thing. It, don't don't shoot yourself in the foot by thinking just because you collaborate with somebody on a particular project that it won't bear good fruit for you. It will. It, it's, you're helping somebody who needed you. And eventually that person can also maybe bring you into what they're doing and you'll build together. But that's the thing. If, you, if everybody sits around and says, oh, no one's going to like if I invest in somebody's time, they're not going to invest in my time. If you live with that mentality, then no one's going to get you're not going to get farther. Yeah. You know? So, yeah, I mean, colleagues locally, if they come to me and say, hey, listen, I, I need you know, help with video. I'm like, cool. What, like, what do you mean to do? I can run the camera. They're completely taken aback that I would allow them to use my equipment that I've purchased and act as their camera person to produce better video, mind you, than I sometimes release myself. Cause I know what people want to see. And right. they're completely taken aback by that. And they're kind of, what, what, you know, like, isn't he worried about competition? And I'm like, 
No. Exactly. (laughs) I'm not. I can only work on so many Hilliards. So, uh, like right now, are you in L.A.? Um, I'm out in in Marietta, which is south side Riverside County, right above San Diego, but on the back side. I could get to L.A. really quickly. (laughs) Yeah. So essentially what people don't understand is like we do the podcast. I have no idea what Hilliard says to me when we get off air. And he's like, hey, I got this guy. I think he should be on your podcast. Mm -hmm. And you're making connections. I'm still in like my garage. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, it's like the, the world is increasingly a small place. I think if you approach any business from a problem-solving attitude, I think a lot more comes of that. Um, people are always interested in talking about themselves, um, giving the person a chance to say, hey, do you have any problems I can help you with? Is there anything I can do for you? Completely opens the door because I think so many so many people are approaching people in Hollywood. Like if I run into Leo DiCaprio, Leo DiCaprio is probably concerned that I'm going to ask him for something. You're right. Not that mm-hmm. I'm going to go, Leo, listen, can I do anything for you? He, how many times does he hear that? Probably He'd not as often. Blown away. <laughs> he would be blown away. Anybody in Hollywood would, because you're exactly right. People are really kind of trying to figure out um, what they can get from you rather than, you know, or what help do you need? Like, what problems are you facing? So, yeah, that's huge. I mean, man, and it, it actually shows, I think, a deeper, deeper care of uh people when you approach them with what can i help you with first rather than what can i get with you get from you you know later so i think that's i think that's a better way to look at it uh relationship building it's very important in my industry specifically that i have a good strong bond uh with clients and students uh emotional rapport i think it also carries off into other industries you can be a steel manufacturer and you still have to be able to shake people's hands and talk to people in china and introduce them to what you do and talk about your product or service and how you can help them there's so much of uh maybe emotional intelligence that goes along with it that is a little bit harder to, I think, quantify. Yeah, I mean, it, it, I, I really don't have a, a way to place a button on it, but it's just, it, honestly, for, for anybody that are, that is interested in building themselves up, <laughs> my dog wants to go outside, anybody who wants to build themselves up, they have to really take a step out there and... and <laughs> Not worry about what it's going to mean for themselves at first, but what it means for the other people that that really do need the help. They will get you will get to where you're going eventually, um, but you have to be able to understand how to invest in other people because some of those other people will also invest in you. So, yeah, we'll take just a quick break. We'll be right back with Hilliard Meeks. I'm going to open the door for my dog to go outside. I'll be right back. Hey guys, it's Robert Gardner with the Robert Gardner Wellness Podcast. If you are looking for training materials, manual therapy, Thai massage, and you want to study with one of the great leaders in the industry, come on board. Listen, our subscription service is completely free for your first month. It is $7 a month thereafter. You can unsubscribe at any time. I provide more value than any other educator in the massage industry and have no plans on stopping. 
It is $7 a month, and you can access right now over 450 hours of my classroom instruction, in addition to information on social media marketing and business building. Uh, that vault has been a amazing resource, uh, brand builder for me to be able to draw students in to what I'm teaching, uh, trying to change the massage industry from the inside. If you're also looking for workbooks or DVDs, you can find those and the subscription service all at robertgardnerwellness.com in the store. Hey y'all, it's Trent Knox, podcast producer for the Robert Gardner Wellness Podcast. Thank you very much for tuning in today. Um, over on YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, and uh, and Twitch, and all of the live streaming platforms. Uh, if you're interested in helping us produce these live streams, you can make a small contribution by going to the link in down below to continue these amazing productions. And then if you would like to support our podcast version of this, the audio version, you can go to anchor.fm slash rgwellness slash support. For as little as a dollar a month, you can help promote that audio version of the podcast. Um, but yeah, thank you very much. As, as, as Robert said, you can check out the classes, the workbooks, and the subscription all at rgwellness.store. Okay, back to Robert and Hilliard in the studio. And I'm back with Hilliard Meeks. Uh, Hilliard, can you introduce yourself again and tell them where they can find you? Yes, uh, my name is Hilliard Joshua Meeks. You can find me on uh, IMDb uh, under Hilliard Joshua Meeks, or you can find me on Facebook under Hilliard Joshua Meeks, or my production company, Polar Black Productions. Um, also on Instagram as Hilly underscore Badfeet. That is H-I-L-L-I-E underscore B-A-D-F-E-E-T. Nice. So as you were going on about um, helping people, problem solving, um, in this last little segment here, is there anything else that's eating at you that you really want to discuss? Sure. Um, the other things that kind of affect industries, not even just my own, but it's when you have like local government kind of get in the way of oh. progress. Um, out here in California, we have what's called AB5, Assembly Bill 5, which basically is shutting down freelance work, which in what we do in, in my industry is a lot of, we have a lot of people that are, are freelancers to a certain degree, like editors don't stay on just one project. They'll go and they'll work on several different movie house projects or whatnot, or um, production company projects. Uh, same thing with producers, directors, and so forth and so on. So, to a certain degree, you know, there's a great deal of freelancers all, you know, all in Hollywood, in the film industry. And it's kind of taking away um, this assembly bill. What it does is it instead of being a freelancer, it's asking you to either be an employee of the company that's hiring you or be a, um, a sole proprietorship or a business. And uh, it just doesn't really work for everyone, you know. It makes sense. It makes sense. Like um, for say, if you're uh, if you're doing Uber or Lyft or something like that, it makes sense to that point to where it's like, hey, you're expending a great deal of your car, your vehicle, and your a lot of hours and stuff like that to Uber. So you should just be an employee of the company at that point um, with health benefits and other things that help you uh, circumvent costs that you'd normally have to pay for. 
but um, but for what we do, a lot of folks that are creatives, it doesn't help. Like if you're a photojournalist, you shouldn't have to uh, be an employee of whatever magazine or publisher that uh, you're working for. If you enjoy being a freelance photojournalist, you know, you should be able to make the choice for yourself. And uh, at this point, this, and of course, it's, it's California at this point. Um, it's difficult because they feel as if we can't make our own choice. You know, like if I'm in a bad situation, I'm not going to stay in a bad situation. Um, as a freelancer, I'm going to change my situation. I'm going to either go somewhere else and be an employee or I'm going to continue freelance, but in a different way. If, if that were my only means of, of income, you know, so I think that's what we that we run out into out here is uh, local government getting in the way of um, of what we do to, to make income. So, ah, the joys of taxes. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's yeah. amazing as I worked um, and continue to work, you know, on entrepreneurially to see how. Uh, tax structures and things affect business. It's, of course, more a concern as my business grows in various ways because there's a lot of pressure. When I talk to therapists who work for someone else, like a big corporate box chain, you know, they have taxes taken out of their check. It's like very easy for them to deal with their taxes. Man, it's a constant juggle between like creativity and money to invest and like how do you continue building the business and deal with staff? Uh, I, I side with small business owners. Yeah, for sure. I mean, there's nothing wrong with having a small business, I think. It, it, but when it comes down to those that like the flexibility, I think freelance kind of works, you know, um, for them. Just kind of having folks getting in that particular space and saying, hey, you can't be a freelancer anymore is kind of taking away that freedom. And um, or not necessarily. Oh, well, it does take away the freedom because they they won't allow you to. Like the companies um, aren't hiring back certain freelancers that they had before. So it, it's it, it gets tough. <laughs> it gets tough. And I understand that that the whole purpose is to protect people. But I think we also have to look at the fact that people can make, you know, grown adults can make decisions on what they need to do for themselves rather than having uh, the local government tell them what they, they need for themselves. So that's my, that's my take on it. I'm, I'm a big fan of empowering small business owners. I'm also a big fan of simplifying the tax code, which I know accountants might not necessarily be in favor of. Um, <laughs> I, I don't even understand why it has to be so complex. To me, it's like talking about uh, the health industry and uh, insurance billing, like, why does it have to be so complex? And it's like, well, it has to be so complex because we need an intermediary to secure their position to make it so complicated that the average person can't do it themselves. Mm -hmm. it's, a, it's a weird um, situation. I, I'm a, generally a fan of um, small business and like less regulation. Uh, a lot of people don't like that stance. But um, like for massage, for instance, each state has its own individual laws. Mm -hmm. uh, California is actually more confusing to me. It might be regulated county to county. I'm not exactly sure about that. So anytime I go into another state to teach, there can be a completely different arbitrary set of rules 
where it's like, I have to go read state law, figure out what's going on in that state. Do I have to get my curriculum passed and approved? It's like, mm-hmm. just to go into Mississippi as if Mississippi doesn't have enough problems already. <laughs> it's, it's like, come on guys. Like it's an, it's an imaginary border. I'm doing massage here. Like right. human anatomy and physiology does not change that much across state lines. You oh, know, um, it's a big reason why I teach online is because I don't have to deal with all of that. Right. And I mean, and that's great to have, be able, I think that's brilliant that you decided to use more of the, the online base to do so because at least now you're able to service people over greater distances and pass the, the BS of, of some of their own local governments. But, um, that's, I mean, that's completely it is, is, uh, sometimes these local governments just get in the way. We don't, we, you know, we were, we're overstepping our boundaries. And as far as the tax code is concerned, I think it's simple. Like you said, if we're if you're not making a whole great deal of money, then why are you being overtaxed? It shouldn't be, especially if you're a a small business or a um, or a freelancer. I think it should just be kind of simple, rather than looking at you as a you know just a small business. Let's go ahead and say, hey, look, if you make under 150k a year, we're not going to heavily tax you. You're running your own business. You're you know. You're doing things that people don't necessarily do, or even freelancers. If you're making under 150k, that's nothing in the state of California. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, why do you need to be overtaxed when you're do when you're you know stepping into the American uh, dream? Yeah. You know? See, and that's where, from a small business owner standpoint, that's the thing. Like, I don't like seeing people. Um, having increasing obstacles and barriers of entry that prevent them from working for themselves. Small business owners create new industries, create new jobs, do things that are more competitive and game-changing, eventually hire and employ other people. Lots of that money gets moved around. You know, my business, for as much as it has grown, it's like uh, nearly operates at a loss. Uh, my bills get paid, but all the money just gets reinvested back in the business until we get to a certain stage where we don't do that anymore, uh, right. or at least that's the hope. Hopefully, I will not die in poverty. <laughs> yeah, but as long as you're enjoying life and doing what you're doing, that's that's the whole. That is definitely the the crux of it. And you know, like you said, you just having having local government get in the way of enjoying your life, doing what you want to do, makes it so much difficult. So. Yeah, that's basically, I, I guess that's been the main thing that's been plaguing me nowadays. Um, as I'm still, and it, to give AB5 some credit, I'm actually still trying to make sure I'm not missing anything in, in, in the rhetoric. Um, because, of course, it's, it's all the legal mumbo jumbo that you have to sift through to figure out, you know, what exactly can you get away with under AB5 and what you can't, you know? So, or what other, what other hoops or, or, loops that you haven't found that make ab5 workable that you can't and so far i haven't found anything that makes sense so (laughs) that makes it difficult um better call saul it's always a lawyer (laughs) like having a good lawyer as a friend is a an asset man (laughs) oh yeah I, i i'm learning more about that like as we go along i do have uh i do have a lawyer on retainer but it's not necessarily an entertainment lawyer so now I'm looking into that now, and it's just there's a lot I didn't realize. Oh, yeah, 
I didn't realize when you're when you're first getting into this sort of thing, you don't really think about lawyers. Like you're that's the last thing that's on your mind. And then and mainly because whenever you think about lawyers, you're thinking about scary court cases and and all these other things that don't necessarily have to do with what you're you're dealing with. And so now that that's a reality for me, um, the lawyers are are pinnacle. Like I didn't even realize how much a lawyer <laughs> is is as important as anything else in your business or you know whatever you're working on as a creative. Have a lawyer on retainer. So. Yep. I, I learned about intellectual property the hard way. Um, having a lawyer teach me about it was a little frustrating because you, you could tell he didn't want to <laughs> <laughs> he didn't want to sit down for hours and try to school me on, you know, copyright and patent and uh, trademark law and how it worked exactly. But he had to be able to educate me about enough of it so that I understood the game and then go, holy moly, like intellectual property law and entertainment law and real estate law and marriage and divorce law. And, you know, well, it's like all different. Like, yeah. like, in other words, you could talk to him about intellectual property and he has no idea about these other areas. <laughs> exactly. Like, Cause so, specialize. Yeah. Cause each niche of law is so intricate and huge. You know, there's not, there's not enough. There's not, I don't think there's enough bandwidth for anybody in law to try to study or know them all. So, yeah, it, it's nuts, you know. It is, it is really, uh, it's, but it's a reality that you have to deal with if you're, especially sole proprietorship or freelance or any portion of of your own business making. You gotta, you gotta have a lawyer on retainer. That's that's just kind of, kind of uh, par for the course. So, <laughs> but uh, yeah. Um, other than that, uh, I'm working on some proof of concepts that are going to be pretty pretty cool. Uh, finished one. It's called Cyclone Country. Um, so, guys, keep a lookout for that. That will not only be on the proof of concept. Will not only go through the through the uh, film festival circuit, but it'll also uh, eventually be online to check out. Not only through um, Polar Black Productions, but QF Media. And um, so we're, we're going to have a good time with that. And then we have a local show that we're hoping um, expands to other places. Uh, would like to go into it, but I got so much going on it right now. Again, IP <laughs> can't jump off into it, but it'll have to. But I will let you know it'll help uh, couples get out more. Put it that way. So <laughs> um, keep a lookout for that. How do you manage uh, juggling so many projects? How do you keep your mind straight? Calendars, man. Uh, honestly, I <laughs> calendars and deadlines. I, I mean, serious, because I the people that I work with, we have enough content to make for the next three years, um, which is ridiculous. It's a lot. So, with that being said, we have to make you know calendar a, a good a good baseline of a calendar to let us navigate these productions without pulling out any hair as you can see i have none so <laughs> i have to be very i have to be very careful with that and making deadlines that work for everyone that don't overstress folks and that if there's any sort of thing that pops up in the middle of it say i book a gig or say um somebody else has a smaller project that we can fit in there uh that's fun to do again helping others um making sure that timeline is has the 
the leeway and the freedom to do so is important. So basically doing that, just organizing, sit down on the calendar, give yourself a deadline that makes sense. That's not going to, that's not going to stress you or your crew out or the people that are helping you out. That's paramount, paramount all the way, you know? So, um, I, I guess uh, a lot of people don't even think about that when they first start making, um, production schedules, uh, <laughs> and, um, me being a person who likes to do productions by the number numbers from pre-production to principal photography to uh, post-production for me taking all the time to do the steps correctly that'll help your business grow not necessarily oh we can we can push this through there and get it done like real real quick it's going to reflect on the quality of what you're doing so um yeah, there's there's this thing about um, documenting what you're doing and then the creation process and crafting stuff that's perfect. Uh, Josh Terry is a friend of mine, a musician, and I have lots of conversations with him because he's very fixated at times on making something that's perfect. And in the age of like music distribution and a 15-second clip on TikTok, I go, mm, <laughs> per- perfect ain't what it used to be. It's like... Uh, for, so for me, writing workbooks is a very different process than, you know, uh, teaching a class that I know is being recorded and distributed in some form. So, uh, to me, it's kind of like the difference between making an album and playing jazz at a concert. Like they're, they're two kind of different, uh, facets of the same art form. Yeah, for sure. I mean, and I think there's a good way to differentiate. Like you said, like doing a 15 second clip on TikTok is relatively small and non intrusive to your production schedule. Um, whereas maybe having a whole full three minute song, um, I would understand taking more time on that because you want every you want all the uh, notes and things to come out just um, perfect. It could be your next hit. Um, but at the same time, you gotta you gotta place a deadline. You gotta get from point A to point B, rather than just being stuck. You know, like oh, this can go because I mean, honestly, if you did certain certain things that way, a production for me would take forever. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, because I I would want every little specific aspect to be perfect. Um, whereas giving myself a a reasonable time schedule and saying, okay, this is where I gotta get from here to here. I have to move on to the next step, you know, is probably the best thing, especially when it comes down to paperwork. Because uh, unfortunately for film productions, it, it, the good majority of pre and post production is paperwork. So yeah. <laughs> paperwork, so, exactly why you went to Hollywood. I want, I want to do mountains <laughs> of paperwork. <laughs> Honestly, you could navigate Hollywood just by having a business degree. Like I, I kid you not. If you, if you are interested in being around that scene but yet you know you still want to maintain the business like you're good at business and the business aspects honestly that's it's pretty much everything is almost all administrative it's budgets it's filling out paperwork it's knowing what insurance you have it's you know like you said the the intellectual property and making sure you have the the right you know copyright patent whatever what have you yeah it's it's all paperwork from from um, pre to post principal photography, all that stuff in the middle. There's a little bit of paperwork that goes along with it. Like, uh, making sure people get paid and things go to payroll. But other than that, um, yeah, it's paperwork. 
So. <laughs> that's where I go. Delegate. <laughs> I can only deal. I can only deal with so much. And I, I continue to test my edges and parameters, but paperwork is not the thing that I enjoy the most. And I'm like, okay, that's what you outsource. If, you, if you're a massage therapist and you don't like doing laundry, it's time mm-hmm. to hire a laundry service. There's no reason for you to do a $15 an hour job. You can give that to somebody else who'd be just happy to take that off your plate. Mm-hmm. And that's, you're, you're absolutely right. I think um, that's something that I'm still learning more of is how much is, uh, how much I need to delegate, um, Building an organization, I guess you could say, is, is almost another aspect of it because that's what happens with your production team. Um, you can basically build a miniature organization where everybody has their 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 thing, their lane, and they can take care of all those little administrative things on their end in that lane. That's always been my difficulty because I'm like, I want to touch everything. I want to be in <laughs> in every aspect of it. And I have to tell myself, nope, that's not your lane. You need to take a step back. And- uh, you no, know, I think I got rid of the micromanaging aspect just because I took on so much I could never do it. it I would, I, it's not physically possible for me to have my fingers and all of that at the same time. Increasingly, as I step back towards management, it's just understanding enough to know how the Facebook, Facebook ads work. While yeah. having somebody handle that, yeah, yeah, exactly, and, and vetting whoever you you know that you know, like you you knew your Facebook ad guy right off the bat, you know, taking your time and, and building those relationships, like you had mentioned before, and finding those people that are in those niches is paramount because it'll save you so much time. In the long run, saving time is also going to save you money on certain things. So, you know, just take your time, delegate, and find make those relationships to make your business better. So cool. Yeah. Well, I think we're uh, up for a uh, time today. Hilliard, I'd love to have you on the program again in the future. If there are specific topics that you want to talk about, please let me know. I'd be happy to have you on again and kind of continue this uh, ongoing connection uh, conversation. It was really great to uh, chat with you. Can you oh, tell people you. where they can find you again? Sure. Um, again, check on IMDb for Hillier Joshua Meeks. Also look on Facebook for Hillier Joshua Meeks or um, Polar Black Productions, um, which is also on, on Facebook. And also IG, you can look for me as Hilly Badfeet, Hilly underscore Badfeet, which is H-I-L-L-I-E underscore B-A-D-F-E-E-T. Nice. So Hilliard, thank you so much for being on the program. I really appreciate it. It was great to chat with you and good luck with everything. And again, if I can do anything for you, please let me know. Thank you. Thank you so much. This has been a pleasure. Hey guys, thank you so much for tuning in to the Robert Gardner Wellness Podcast. Again, if you want to pick up workbooks, DVDs, manual therapy, educational materials, you can do that at robertgardnerwellness.com in the store. Don't forget to check out that free trial for your first month on the subscription service. After that, it's $7 a month. You can unsubscribe at any time. Again, you can check it all out at robertgardnerwellness.com in the store. And classes are coming up in Austin in Chicago and also in Fort Smith, Arkansas. If you want to take class with me in person, you can also find those in the store. 
Guys, if you want to follow me on any platform you are on, I am obsessive about Instagram, TikTok, YouTube, Facebook. I am all over social media, including Twitter, if you want to say hello. You can find me under various screen names, but you can find that information on my website and just for searching me on whatever platforms you use.